we are working our way through the Beatitudes. Beatitudes are found in Matthew chapter 5. They're the opening lines of what's often called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the word Beatitudes is the word, it's a Latin word that means blessings, because Jesus says several times through this time, eight times actually, uh, blessed are, or blessings on these certain groups of people. And it's really just an announcement, an announcement of good news, an announcement of wonderful news to all these, these, these people who don't normally get good news. Today's really interesting, as we're going to get into it today. Uh, almost, Jesus almost does this reverse logical thing uh, as we get to it in a minute. We're on the sixth beatitude. And let me ask you this to help set us up. What is the most impossible thing you have ever longed for, but realistically will never happen? Now, we could probably list some real sad things here, so I really don't want to go there. But, you know, we can go to, like, winning a million dollars. All right? How many of us have ever longed for and wished we'd have a million dollars? But the chances of it probably happening are not very, not very big. How about this? The Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, as a lifelong Lions fan, that's about as likely as winning a million dollars. You know, so, uh, yeah, they've been rebuilding since 1957. I don't see much of a change in that. Um, or how about the thought of, of this, like human beings could fly like Superman, you know, like to infinity and beyond. I, I guess that's Buzz Lightyear, but, you know, Superman. Again, something that's absolutely impossible. It's just not going to happen. Well, back in the ancient days of Israel, there was this longing to not just know God, but to actually see God. And that was the thing that they were hopeful for, but it was impossible to see God, to see his face. It was this deep longing within the depths of humanity that has carried over after the fall, after Adam and Eve sit in the garden. Even Moses. Moses is like the superstar in the Old Testament, right? In the, and so he asked to see God. And, and this is what God told Moses. You cannot see my face. For no one can see me and live. So basically, Moses, it's impossible. In your current state, it just cannot and it wasn't just Moses, by the way. It says, for no one can see me and live. And that's a very, very true statement in the current state that we are in, in our broken, fallen nature. Which begs the question then, what if our current broken, fallen state could be changed? What if our distorted hearts, our messed up hearts, could be mended and restored? What then? Dare we have such hope? Well, in the next beatitude, Jesus places that very hope, that very seemingly impossible thing, front and center. By making a promise that was once impossible, is now possible. He says this, blessed are, or I have wonderful news. For who? For, for those whose thoughts and heart are pure. 
for they will see God. The emphasis on will see. Not die if you catch a glimpse of him, like God told Moses, but will see God with the implication being you're very much alive in that moment. So you're not only going to be able to see God, but you're going to be able to live through it at the same time. The most impossible thing in the history of the world is now possible. But then we go back to, for those whose thoughts and heart are pure, and we go, okay, uh, so what about the rest of them? <laughs> you know, all right, I, I get that. Okay, the pure in heart, I, got, I, get, I get that, but okay, but welcome to my world. What about me? <laughs> what about the rest of us whose hearts and lives aren't pure? Where's the good news for us? How does this add up for all that we know about this world and about ourselves? All right? So with that, we need to kind of unpack what Jesus is saying here. We're going to start with our first point. So number one, check your motives. That's a pretty good indication that there's something wrong within us, for one thing. Um, But this has to do with the word heart and combined with the word pure in this verse. And underneath it all, it it reveals our very real problem. See, the word for heart in the Jewish world meant your inner self, your mind, your intentions, your purpose, your desires, your motives. The word pure that Jesus uses has both Old Testament significance as well as current and future significance implications, all right? It includes things like being authentic, without pretense, but in the sense of being focused on God and His way, holy, clean, righteous, and acceptable to God. So putting these two together would mean that those whose inner self, whose mind, intentions, and purposes, and desires, and motives are authentic and real— Without pretense, holy, clean, righteous, and acceptable to God, they will indeed see God. And and that would, and it should make sense to us. So even if we're like going, ah, but that doesn't describe me, at least there's hope. Right? That seeing God is not impossible. But it leads us to our problem, and our problem is that our hearts, as we know, are anything but pure because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, their choice to rebel against God, which means on most occasions, if not all, our motives, no matter how well we try to monitor them, are usually off track. Um, Our motives are anything but pure. I mean, do not raise your hands here, but how many times have you done something for someone knowing you were not doing it with the right motives? Don't raise your hands, because I'm sure most of us would probably go, yeah, I've done that. Um, It was something done using the words here, again, with a heart that was not pure, whose motives were not pure. Check your motives. And most often we do this Because we want the outcome to benefit us, right? 
We don't do it just because it's right. We don't do it because it benefits someone else. We usually do it because there's something in it for me. And quite honestly, as long as it benefits me, as long as it benefits us, then we really don't care, at least humanity, humanity really doesn't care how they get there, which is another part of the problem. See, our motives are off because our hearts are off. They're broken, they're fallen, they're not righteous, they're not pure. So how can our motives possibly be? But, but what makes it even worse is how we try to deal with this problem. Our response to it. I mean, we kind of see what God would prefer and what he wants out of us, and we're like, oh, I got a great idea. I'm going to put a mask on. And, and, and I'm going to put this thing on, and I'm going to be a, everything you want me to be, God. This mask will cover me up, and it'll be everything that it'll meet all your requirements. See, quite often, for various reasons, we just fake our way through it. Which takes us to our next point, number two. Jesus is telling us very plainly here, put down the mask. See, once you understand that you have a very real heart problem, then there's a temptation then to simply act like you don't really have one. That would be denial. And we're not, we're not going to spend time on this one today. Or to do what Adam and Eve did, and you know, when you realize, ooh, this, something's not right. Something is definitely off here. But you sow fig leaves around you to cover up, hoping other people won't notice you know something's wrong, but you just cover it up because you really don't want anybody else to know what's going on in your world. You don't, want, you don't want people in your business. Or you wear the mask of delusion. When you think that by putting on the mask and the cape that you can actually fly. <laughs> that you can do the impossible. But whatever the reason is, the truth is that you and I are all so very skilled at wearing Masks. Let's cover the delusional piece first. We'll cover up, we'll, we'll do the cover up piece second. All right? Ancient Israel fell into this trap where all they had to do to become pure, this is what they convinced themselves, was to simply follow all the Mosaic rules, follow the Jewish law, in other words, just be religious. But whether it was ancient Israel then or any religion, including Christianity today, all religion does is just put a mask on. And it convinces you, it convinces yourself that you now have the ability to do the impossible. When in reality, you do not. Folks, religion is again like putting on a Superman or Wonder Woman costume and convincing yourself you can fly, but if you tried it, you'd fall flat on your face. In this case, convincing yourself that religion is all you need to see God. Because even after you have tried this, reality begins to sink in. We're, we're, we're not that dumb sometimes. Even with the mask, you, you, you never really have the full security that what you hope for, which is seeing God, like you're doing all this so you can see God, 
You don't even have the full security that that's ever going to really happen. Which is why then people will continue to say, and I've heard people say this throughout my entire life in ministry, is, man, I really hope I've done enough. I hope I've added enough in the good basket that outweighs what I've done in the bad basket. It's not about what you've done or haven't done. That's not how we access the Father. That's not how we see God. That is just our attempt at trying to see God. That is us putting on a Superman costume thinking you can fly. So let me ask you this part. When you feel like you need to do more, to try harder, to make, make sure you earn your way in, how is that even close to what Jesus is saying? All the while, it just makes you feel more insecure about your future. Which is in stark contrast to what Jesus actually came to provide and the wonderful news that he's just announced. We look at one of his disciples, John, the Apostle John. He would write this toward the end of his ministry, at the end of his life. He said, I write this letter to you who believe in the Son of God, who believe in Jesus, who have given their lives to Jesus, who are following Jesus, so that you will know you have eternal life. No masks, just Jesus. And then you can do the impossible. You can see God. You can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have God's eternal new creation, resurrection, life within you. Folks, the religious mask brings the dangers of delusion and false hope that are just going to wreck you even more. So put down the mask. However, there's another danger of having this religious mask as well. Maybe some of you have felt this, you've lived through it, you've done this. And that is the cover-up. See, as a cover-up, the mask of religion creates fake, shiny, happy church people who are anything but authentic. Again, what Jesus is saying here, this word he's using, pure of heart, means we are to be authentic, real, pure, all at once. So as we're thinking through that, we're like, man, I really do get the whole mask thing here. Because not only does seeing God seem impossible, but being authentically real and pure in such a judgmental world... That seems very impossible, too. It just doesn't seem to add up in our daily, day-to-day lives. And the mask of religion makes it easy to at least look the part, right? Even if you know deep down inside you are nowhere near the part. So, so let me ask you this as, as it relates to this issue. How many of you have ever tried to make yourself look better to someone else? Either by hiding or not disclosing your mistakes or struggles. How many of you have actually pretended to be something or someone you're not, either to impress someone or to give people the impression that you have it all together? Or maybe you just do it because you don't want to have to face their ire, their judgment, their, their shameful comments whatever the case may be. 
I guess that at some point, all of us have probably done this, at least once in our life. It's just human nature to hide your bad side, cover up your flaws, so you do not have the impression that you don't have it all together. Now, yes, we do need to do a quick time out here, all right? Um, we do need, you do need to exercise judgment. You do need to exercise caution and discernment as to when you share and who you share it with and how much you share. I mean, you don't walk up to some stranger you just met for the first time and say, Hi, my name's Bob, and I'm a real screw-up. You know? Hi, my name's Sally, and, you know, I got drunk last night. Uh, my name's uh, Sue, and my marriage is falling apart. You, you, don't, you don't have to lead with that when you first meet people and you start talking to people. But there is a safe place, and it, there's meant to be safe places within a church connection and church family where we are to be able to share authentically and real, just put down the mess. See, in a religiously dominated environment, and I'm going to speak to the world that we live in, the church world, uh, in a religiously dominated church, it creates this inner pressure within you to look perfect on the outside, that admitting that your struggle is somehow a negative thing. Again, your marriage is not perfect. Maybe your marriage failed. Your kids are nowhere near perfect. But you feel the need to present a perfect image because you think it is what is expected of you. And again, you don't want to be judged by others. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. Maybe you struggle with depression. Maybe you're in an extended season of pain or grieving and loss. And we could go on and on and on from there. But the point is, as a result, you put on this shiny, happy, fake face. And you never feel like you can be real. Or admit your struggles. Or admit your failures. Which leads you away from any kind of pathway to wholeness or redemption. See, in a way, you are just shamed into submission. Meanwhile, your heart just shrivels into nothing. But how does that line up with what Jesus just told us? It doesn't. He has announced wonderful news to those who are pure in heart. And you're thinking, but wait a minute. Hey, doesn't that actually leave us out? Those of us who are not perfect and struggling at times, whose lives are not always together, how can that be wonderful news for us if that's the standard? How are we going to ever reach, reach that? Well, no, this is wonderful news once we see the good that good news is especially wonderful news to those who have been hiding behind a mask. But have longed, have longed to be authentic. Have longed to be real. To be in a place where they can be authentic and real. And to continue their journey with Jesus that is authentic and real. Alright, so with that, let's go to our last point, number three. Become authentically pure. See, this good news, this wonderful news, is not some kind of an empty promise. He's like, oh, man, I've been doing good so far, but let me just flip this point on you. You're going to feel really bad about this. It's not an empty promise. 
Jesus would not have said that it would take being pure in heart to see God if you could not be authentically pure. He just would not have said it. So how do you become authentically pure? And how does that look in the world in which we live? Those are great questions. But it all starts with who Jesus is and what he has done, because it all starts and ends with him. And then it moves from there into how we appropriate all that Jesus is and all that he has done into our lives. Now, we could spend all day unpacking this and looking at a thousand scriptures that would be able to support this, but I just want to look at one. And this is, again, from our our friend, the Apostle John. He writes, If we confess our sins, he, or Jesus, is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify, purify us from all unrighteousness. The New Century Version says it this way, but if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins, will forgive, because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrong that we have done. Yeah, we, we've already acknowledged, we've got a problem. Again, the first beatitude, we're spiritually bankrupt. We are unrighteous. Our hearts are not pure. But how much of our unrighteousness, how much of our impurity will Jesus deal with? Will he transform? Will he forgive? Will he make... How much? 10%? Half of it? 85 leaving us a little bit more to to deal with? All. 100%. Not part of it. Leaving you wondering if you're ever still going to make it. If it's ever going to be good enough. You can't wear a mask that can do that. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can purify you from all of what is impure inside of us. And the words that he's using here, Jesus does this by purifying or cleansing us from being unrighteous to becoming righteous, to becoming pure, giving us, therefore, a pure heart, authentic, whole, and on this path toward wholeness. And becoming authentic, by the way, as we see both in this passage, but also in places like the book of Romans, the Paul's letter to the Romans, it starts with repentance on our end, or confessing. There's an action on our end that we are participating in this. We're basically just receiving, and all confession and repentance are, you know, some of you think, oh, that's a big churchy word, whatever. It basically just means I'm admitting something. I'm admitting that I can't do this on my own. I'm admitting that the one cure that's being offered Jesus is the only way. I'm admitting that I'm spiritually bankrupt. Where you admit, I've been trying to be a superhero with a mask thinking I can fly, but I can't fly. I can't be pure. I can't be holy. I can't do these things. I confess those to you. 
remind me that you are awesome. And repentance is to turn away from the way we were thinking, to turn around and do something different, where you choose another reality. You admit you can't fly. You admit you can't do the impossible. You cannot see God in your own strength. And you repent. You choose to turn away from that way of thinking. And you choose this new reality found in Christ alone. The reality of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he wants to do in you, how he wants to give you, as we looked at a few weeks back, he wants to give you his righteousness, cover you in his righteousness, and give you a pure heart. You're thinking, oh, God, that just sounds but, but how does this translate into our current reality? The realities that still kind of tempt us back into that world of putting on a mask to cover up our imperfections. Because even after you become a follower of Jesus, you're not perfect. And we still want to put on a mask to cover up those imperfections. So is our heart 100% pure, like you just said? Or is it a work in progress? Which is it? Yes. Let me explain. We can be both authentically pure in the 100% sense, while at the same time being authentically pure as a work in progress. Now, we've covered this many times already in various teachings, but this is how this relates here, specifically in this area. See, as we embrace what Jesus has done on the cross, as you embrace that and embrace what he's done through his, the cross and resurrection, as you invite him into your life and the Holy Spirit comes into you, you are made new. But you are also going to be made new. Oh, and by the way, you are also being made new. When you read throughout the New Testament, we see these three areas all the time, and sometimes Paul will highlight one and not the other, and he'll focus on this area and not that area. When you combine all these three together, this is how it shapes up. As we embrace Christ and for all he's done on the cross, we are made new in our spirit. The moment we repent and embrace Jesus and the Holy Spirit breathes new life into us, making our very dead spirit come alive, we are literally in that moment pure in heart. And the pure in heart, Jesus said, will what? See God. All right, so that's some seriously good news. But, but what about the rest of us? We're a three-part being. We're not just spirit. We have a mind or soul, and we have a body. What about those two pieces? Well, we will be made new in our bodies. These bodies that are dying day by day will be transformed completely and fully resurrected on that last day, fully pure in heart. Our bodies will see God. That's good news. But then lastly, this is the part we deal with on a daily basis. We are being made new or pure in our soul, in our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our heart. The place where our motives are, the places where we make our choices. Which means this, the, the, that part of our life right now is not fully resurrected yet. 
They've only been touched by it. See, our mind and our will and emotions, our soul, are this work in progress of being purified, of being resurrected, of our hearts becoming pure. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 that we're being transformed daily by the renewing of our minds. We wouldn't need to be daily transformed if it happened all at once. So as we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us daily, change us daily, as we learn how to yield more to Him, we are becoming pure in thought. We are becoming pure in heart. And praise God on that last and final day, our mind and our will and our emotions will be fully resurrected. And our entire self, our entire human self, our spirit, soul, and body will be fully resurrected. And guess what? We will see God. Promise fulfilled. So again, we can be both authentically pure in the 100% sense in our spirit, while at the same time being authentically pure, and certainly not perfect yet, but as a work in progress in our mind, our soul, our will. And this is why this is so important for us to understand here. See, part of being authentic is not trying to hide the part of us that is in the process of being renewed. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that part's still a work in progress. I'm working on it. I'm getting more like Jesus every day. But we still have this temptation to put the mask on, to hide behind it, to cover it up. And it's like, no, no, that's all part of who we are. It, it's growth curve. It's part of who we are. Because we're not perfect yet. We're learning how to yield more and more to the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are becoming more like Jesus as, as we spend more time in His presence, studying His Word, walking in His ways, connecting with His people, fulfilling His mission. And when we do that, we will look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. The cool thing here, though, is that Jesus is giving us He's giving you, in that state, wonderful news. He's saying, you do not have to walk around with a superhero mask on, pretending you have super strength or that you can fly when you cannot. Because everybody knows what's behind the mask. And if they don't, it's just a matter of time. So put down the mask and be Authentic. Allow yourself to be this work in progress that is on this upward trajectory of becoming more like Jesus, whose heart and mind is becoming more pure every day. And as we do that collectively as an authentic community, as we invite each other into our lives to the point where they can see our growth and development as which means also seeing our imperfections. And we allow them to be part of that, and we, they allow us to be part of their growth and development, then this will become the normative way that being the church is supposed to be. No more shiny, happy, fake people. Now, hopefully we're happy a lot of the times and we're joyful, but no more shiny, happy, fake people because we're hiding behind a mask. That is real, genuine, authentic, purity. We are made pure, we will be made pure, and we are being made pure, and yes, the impossible becomes possible. We will see God. 
Oh, and by the way, if you know Jesus, that impossible that we get to see God in that great and final day begins to bleed a little more into our lives even now. The, the taste of new creation and the fulfillment of that greater promise begins to be felt in the here and now. Why? If you remember, Jesus said, if you've seen him, you've seen who? The Father. Meaning, if you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you see, know Jesus, you have seen Now, yes, it's in its incomplete state at this stage of our lives. But if you know Jesus as he is transforming you, purifying your heart day by day, you will, you will continue to see God in you, around you, and through you, carrying this message of authenticity. A message of authenticity in a world that just hides behind a bunch of masks. you be and call yourself to be that kind of church, that kind of follower of Jesus. Would you please? I want us to close today by reading a scripture together. Uh, and then I want us to close in a real positive sense. I mean, sometimes maybe this can feel a little bit like heavy, like, oh man. But it's meant to be this amazing, positive great good news that we get to participate in right here and now. But I'd like us to go to this verse and we get to ask God daily in this area of our heart and our minds who's creating us this pure heart. We're yielding to Him. So as we say this, we're going to say this collectively as a, as a group of believers and then we're going to follow it up with a song that pretty much says the same thing, to kind of cement this into our heart. But let's just read this together, would we? Create in me a clean, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I don't know about you, but I am really glad that God has not finished with me yet.